2: fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: If he agrees with Democrats, Donald Trump says, that will make him look foolish. What? Doesn't he understand? He already looks foolish? He's the biggest fool ever to occupy the White House? What do you say, everybody? How about it? Here we go on a Thursday, January 3rd. Great to see you. Hello, 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 and welcome to the program. It is the Bill Press Show. That's me, and you are very much part of the program as we reach out to you uh, and join you everywhere in this great land of ours from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we are very, very much involved and got our eye on and our ear on what's happening just down the street at the United States Capitol building where history will be made today as Nancy Pelosi the first woman Speaker of the House of Representatives resumes the post as Speaker, which she was, which was taken away from her in 2011. Eight years later, she is back as Speaker, the most powerful woman ever in American political history. And down at the White House, Donald Trump still stewing, still pissed off because he had to spend Christmas and New Year's in the White House. And nobody is giving him any credit for it. And he's refusing to back down at all uh, on his little temper tantrum, which leaves 800,000 federal employees uh, off the job, not getting a paycheck, and all of the nation's great museums and national parks and, uh, and even the National Zoo closed because of his little temper tantrum. Uh, The little boy didn't get what he wanted for Christmas. Oh, too bad. So much to talk about. Great, big, important day, historic day in Washington. You want to be part of it by sending us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. And we'll get to your comments and to the news of the day in just a minute. But first...
3: This is the Full Court Press.
1: All
4: righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Bill, I think we just have to admit that America is no longer a leader in space exploration. We, we have to of,
1: admit that after, yeah, I know what you're going to say. It's sort of right.
4: over and done with for us because the early this morning, China announced they have successfully landed a rover on the far side of the moon. I think this firmly puts China in the lead in the space race. This is a first. Now, this is a completely unexplored area. Uh, they put down a rover in the South Pole Aitken Basin of the Moon. It is the largest and oldest impact crater on the Moon. And again, I just keep repeating that this has not been explored before. So we will have to see what they find. Right. Pretty, pretty crazy, huh?
1: It is crazy. And, you know, Donald Trump doesn't care. You know, all he cares about is money for the wall.
4: Yeah. Look, you and I feel similarly about the space exploration stuff. It's one of the greatest things we've done I in I think country. it's
1: a, in, in extremely important. And uh,
4: Barack Obama started. Taking it apart and yep, disassembling yep. it, and I don't know that we're ever going to get back to NASA, where we were.
1: NASA, as great as it is with that little, uh, with that, uh, getting that uh, little the rover SpaceX. out to the, oh, sure, yes. out to uh, that moon rock or whatever it is, not that, that rock, yeah, Two, four billion bars away. But still, NASA is just not what it once was.
4: No, not at all. Not at all. If you live in Los Angeles and you have a fear yes. of earthquakes, well, you which you should be, frankly. If you live in Los Angeles, I've, you should have a healthy fear I've of survived earthquakes. I've experienced
1: and survived several earthquakes in Los Angeles.
4: Well, you might have a little help now if you want to uh, help avoid them. There is a new app called ShakeAlert L.A. And it helps give early warnings for people who have Android Android, and Apple smartphones. Now, here's the deal. The U.S. Geological Survey's uh, uh, earthquake early warning system has been under development for many, many years now. And they work closely with the mayor of L.A., Eric Garcetti, to put a smartphone app together so that you could have the same information in your pocket. So there are a couple of signs that say there might be an earthquake coming it that gives you some different criteria and now you can have an app it's able to be downloaded right now in the android or apple store i don't believe it yeah <laughs> no, like i don't magic trust it. there's no
1: warning there's no advance warning for an earthquake you never know when they're going to hit This is the Bill Press Show. It is a new day in Washington with a new leader, Nancy Pelosi, taking the gavel again as Speaker of the House of Representatives and an entire new power lineup, which is going to spell trouble for Donald Trump and triumph for the American people. What do you say, everybody? Great to see you today. Happy Thursday, third day of January 2019. Uh, yes, we go uh, into as we get head into this new year with lots of important things happening here in Washington, D.C. Today, indeed, a historic day as the first woman speaker of the House of Representatives, who has not gone away, uh, didn't run away when she lost power in 2011. She has still led the Democratic Party during that time in the House uh, to the extent that she has won power back and will uh, take the gavel back today uh, in a big ceremony on the Hill as 40 new uh, House House Democrats are sworn in. Uh, All new members of the House of Representatives sworn in, Uh, 434 of them with the sole exception of Mark Harris, uh, the Republican who claims that he won that disputed House seat in North Carolina, but will not be able to take his seat because of the allegations of voter fraud in that case. And that day here, of this celebratory day on Capitol Hill, uh, comes one day after another disastrous day down at the White House with uh, Donald Trump holding a phony cabinet meeting, which was nothing more than a forum for him to perform in front of the cameras, and then a so-called briefing, which was uh, with congressional leaders, which again was nothing more than uh, to giving him an opportunity to say, I want my wall and I will shut down the government and continue the government shutdown until I get my physical concrete wall, which I promised. No word about a for, of course, the fact, as we have pointed out several times, that the key to that promise was you and I weren't going to pay for it. Mexico was. Yeah, he forgot all about that. And that's what we got today. Uh, lots that you will want to comment on. Get ready to send us your comments, if you haven't already done so, on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. As we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash thebillpressshow. Again, we encourage you to sign up for the podcast. Check out the podcast and sign up so you are on the team and get all of the extra uh, content that we put up uh, over the weekends and also during the day. We're joining you on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and all through the city of Chicago and the greater Chicago area on WCPT and looking at you. On Free Speech TV, of course, Hannah Trudeau joins us from the National Journal. She has a uh, what's called the OG 2020 newsletter for the National Journal, which is tracking uh, the 2020 race. Uh, and already this week, uh, we have Elizabeth Warren jumping in. And on Saturday, it's going to be Julian Castro. So we are underway for 2020 already in this first week of the new year. Jason Dick joins us from the uh, from roll call, CQ roll call, as a friend of Bill for our second hour together, and he and I will be joined by Jordan Carney from The Hill, taking a look at the big battles we can expect in the new Congress as uh, Nancy Pelosi and Democrats take over. Yep, yesterday, uh, you know, they had to schedule something, so it looks like Donald Trump is working. Uh, so they scheduled a cabinet meeting. We've seen the cabinet meetings before. Remember, the very first one that Donald Trump held uh, was just a chance. We went around the table and everybody, uh, in turn, told how wonderful he was. That's why they held that meeting. And uh, and what a blessing it was, to quote Reince Priebus, uh, to work for such a great man. Uh, yesterday's cabinet meeting really uh, was sort of along the same vein, except it wasn't on cabinet members who were telling Donald Trump how great he was, it was Donald Trump telling the American people again how great he is on many, many, many subjects. Um, interesting, I thought, the the Washington Post this morning on the front page, they summed up yesterday's cabinet meeting as a 95-minute stream of consciousness defense of his presidency and worldview filled with falsehoods, revisionist history, and self Ag- <laughs> it's hard to say that word, aggrandizement.
4: self Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah, right. Uh,
4: that, I thought that,
1: that sort of, from what I saw, summed it up perfectly. It
4: sums up yeah. 95% of the interactions we see from Donald Trump. Uh,
1: translated, right? a bunch of bragging and a bunch of lies. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, yeah that's what it was, right. Uh, for example, um, the fact that the stock market uh, had the worst year... Um, and the worst December, certainly the worst month of December, since the depression, everything down, 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 it you know, came up toward the end of the year, but what a bloody December was. People lost billions of dollars. Uh, Donald Trump concerned about that? Nah, not at all.
3: It would have been a lot easier for me to sit back and just let it continue, but it was out of control. And our strong economy makes it even more difficult because people come up because our country's Doing better by far than any other country in the world from an economic standpoint. We're the talk of the world. And we had a little glitch in the stock market last month. It's still up. Yeah. I guess.
1: Just a little glitch. Just a little glitch. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Would it fall 800 points in one day or something? Yeah. A little glitch.
4: There were some very bad days. And look, it got kind of buried because of the holiday. Uh, There was some very, very bad days. Right up until
1: the very end. That last week of December was brutal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And
4: and look, we talked about uh, this before we went on break. There's there's sort of it's sort of known as the Santa bump. It's a, the stock market towards the end of the year
1: usually surges. Yeah, right. It Did
4: not happen in 2018.
1: Right. No. Santa took a holiday this year. <laughs> uh, the president also, of course, seized the opportunity to lash out at uh, Mitt Romney, incoming senator from Utah, who penned an op-ed in the Washington Post yesterday. Um, Pretty critical. I, you know, I heard it called scathing. I didn't think it was scathing at all. That's not Mitt Romney's style. It wasn't as scathing as that speech he gave in 2016. OK, but it was a critical so just saying Donald Trump had not basically uh, reached, uh, grown in the office as Mitt Romney and the rest of us expected him to. Uh, but and- Mitt
4: Romney, of course, ended that column by saying, there are a lot of great policies that the president's yes. put through, and I look forward to supporting him. And I made more. it pretty clear
1: yeah. that he's going to be like Jeff Flake yeah. and Bob Corker. Yes. And while he may say, no, I don't like the fact that he paid a porn star $130,000, not to talk about the, his affair, but still, I'll vote for everything he wants. Yeah, that's basically what we heard from Mitt Romney. Donald Trump didn't like that. He said, oh, Mitt, if, he, if only he had fought harder.
3: If he fought really hard against president obama like he does against me he would have won the election
1: Mm -hmm, yeah if he were only as good as i am if he were only as smart as i am he would have been president and and he says i just wish mish would be mitt would be a team player
3: i don't know if he's going to become a team player i hope he does if he does i think it's going to be better for him i think people are very upset with what he did he hasn't even gotten to office yet
1: Donald Trump is always saying, everybody loves me. No, everybody loves the wall. Uh, Everybody loves what I'm doing about Syria. Everybody everybody hates what Mitt Romney said, right? He just makes this stuff up. Uh, And, of course, team player. Definition of team player for Donald Trump is, you agree with everything I say and everything I do. Period. End of story. That's a team player.
4: When you think Donald Trump, buddy, you think team player.
1: Yeah, man. Gets along well with Mm -hmm. others. Right? Indeed, right. Let's talk about another member of his team. Jim Mattis, Jim Mattis, uh, you know, he tried to be a member of the team, but finally just got too much for Mattis. He couldn't stand it anymore, uh, Donald Trump's uh, style, uh, and um, particularly his uh, unwillingness uh, to listen to his generals about what really made sense in terms of a U.S. foreign policy or military strategy. Couldn't take it anymore. He quit. We, we read the resignation letter. It was pretty clear. He said, basically, I can't stand working with you any longer. I'm out of here. That's not the way Donald Trump sees it.
3: As you know, President Obama fired him, and essentially so did I.
1: No, he didn't. He just made that up in a thin No, air. he didn't. No, he did not fire James Mattis. James Mattis quit. All- did we all read the letter that
4: James Mattis wrote. Yes. We all saw how critical he was. I mean... I don't think enough time was really spent on the Mattis letter and no. how...
1: You dig into the Mattis letter and, and and all the differences he had with Donald Trump. Yeah. They were on sub- substantial issues. And
4: he really laid it out. I mean, it's this is not a typical resignation letter that you get from somebody who was happy in their job and just want to go retire. He made it clear right. he disagrees with Donald Trump.
1: Right. So the, uh, the phony cabinet meeting yesterday was followed by a phony... Uh, briefing uh, they called it this was not a meeting it was a briefing on border security issues again it was just an opportunity for Donald Trump one day before the Democrats take over another opportunity for him to say I want my wall I want my wall I won't be happy with anything except my wall Uh, and without the wall of course he is uh, vowing to continue to keep the government shut down uh, at that cabinet meeting, he was—he did—he did make a comment on the shutdown. How long is it going to last? He doesn't could,
3: know. Could be a long time, or it could be quickly. Could be a long time. It's—it's it's too important a subject to walk away from. That's the
4: clarity we're looking from
1: That's for, right. from a uh, yeah. president. Could be a long could time, long? Could and could basically he's saying, "I don't care. I don't care because he wants his wall." Now let, let's get to go. There's a lot of talk about people saying. You know, this is just a matter of semantics. It could be a fence. It could be slats. It could be that, 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 that. No, Donald Trump, he said it again yesterday, he wants a concrete physical wall.
3: We need a physical barrier. Everything else is bells and whistles. I know more about drones than anybody. I know about every form of safety that you can have. And it's all good, but it's just... Very minor compared to the power of a wall.
1: By the way, I bet you could take him out on the south of the Lawn to the White House and have a drone there, and he wouldn't know what the hell to do with it. <laughs> he wouldn't know where to start.
4: I don't think he knows how to tie his shoes.
1: N- uh, seriously, yeah. I know more about drones than anybody else in the world. Why does it, Why does every sentence out of Donald Trump's mouth end up having to be bragging about how smart he is or how much he knows about... Everything when he knows nothing about anything. But at any rate, you hear it. He wants a absolute concrete physical wall. Uh, He said over the holidays that, after all, Barack Obama built a 10-foot wall around his house in Washington. (laughs) And so why can't I have a wall? No, he did not. That settles it. No, he did not. I know that house. I've seen that house. No, there's no 10-foot wall around the house. Uh, About the Vatican. Oh, well, the Vatican has a wall. Yeah. You ever walk into St. Peter's? I have. Several times. After you, know? you
4: climbed the wall, of course. Of course.
1: If, only yeah. after I yeah. climbed the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. You ever gone into the Vatican Museum? I have. Several times. Yeah. I mean, he just makes this crap up uh, at any rate. Uh, and he said again that yesterday his position is $5 billion or the government remains shut down. Chuck Schumer, meeting with reporters afterwards, pointed out that, remember, the Democrats have a have a plan. And they passed it. Or they introduced it on Monday and they're going to vote on it today, uh, once they're all sworn in. And the plan is to open up all the rest of the government, to, to, first of all, to reopen the government. For eight out of nine agencies that have nothing to do with the border, fund them till the end of the year, basically, a little before. For the one issue uh, agency that is border related, the Department of Homeland Security fund them for the next 30 days, but reopen them, 30 days, during which time maybe they can come to some resolution of this. What's wrong with that plan? Chuck Schumer says he put it to the president and asked him that question, what's wrong with this plan?
3: I asked him directly. I said, Mr. President, give me one good reason why you should continue your shutdown of of the eight cabinet departments while we are debating our differences on homeland security. He could not give a good answer.
1: Yeah, because there is no good answer. Exactly. Yeah, he can't give a good answer because he doesn't know. And, and and basically, it keeps coming back to, no, I want my wall and without it. And Donald Trump's response to Chuck Schumer was, if I do that, if I agree to that, I love this. It will make me look foolish. Does he? Does he get it? Does he... Does he get how foolish he looks in front of the eyes of the entire world by not coming to some terms with this and keeping the shutdown going just because he threw this little temper tantrum again because he didn't get what he wanted for Christmas? And he had to spend Christmas and New Year's in the White House? I mean, talk about looking foolish. And the other thing that, that he says is, um, or uh, he didn't say this, he, in effect he has. He needs to do this because he promised it to his base. In fact, Ann Coulter yesterday said that if Donald Trump does not build the wall, he will he, he will lose in 2020 because his base will turn against him unless he delivers on the wall. That is absolute BS, total BS. We talked about this yesterday. His base is not going to abandon Donald Trump because he doesn't build the wall. They'll just blame it on Democrats. They'll say, well, he tried. He, it's not his fault he couldn't deliver the wall. It's Nancy Pelosi's fault, or it's Chuck Schumer's fault, or it's Mitch McConnell's fault. They'll never abandon Donald Trump. It's absolutely crazy. And the other thing yesterday that came out, which was didn't get, didn't get much play at all, Lindsey Graham trying to get into the act, trying to be the big power broker here, he comes down and says, oh, I've got the answer. Let's trade the dreamers for the wall. So how, how long have we been talking about protecting the Dreamers? I mean, even long before Donald Trump came into office. But of course, once he did, Donald Trump, who blew up the Dreamers program, but then promised, I love the Dreamers, I'm going to help the Dreamers, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the Dreamers, and they're still in limbo. Uh, they're still at the risk of all of them being deported because of the current status of that program, which really doesn't have any official status anymore. Uh, it's just hanging hanging on um, pending a Supreme Court decision and hoping the Senate will finally get its act together. But at any rate, Lindsey Graham says, no. OK, so we'll give you the dreamers if you just fund the entire wall. Once again, let's take these kids brought here from their parents, had nothing to do with it, brought here to this country with their parents, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, whatever, when they were infants. Let's take them hold them hostage and, and and use them as ransom, if you will, to get Donald Trump his wall. I mean talk, it, that is such so irresponsible, if not immoral, even to suggest. But they did this once before, if you recall it was a couple of years ago where I think it was, I think at that time it was a battle over the debt crisis uh, and some dis, a disagreement and Donald Trump said again, well, if you give me what I want on the debt crisis or on the budget or whatever, Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll protect the Dreamers. So they don't care give a damn about the Dreamers. They just use them every once in a while, pull them out every once in a while to say, oh, we'll use that as a trade, a fair trade. No deal. Uh, even, even Republicans didn't jump on Lindsey Graham's um, uh, suggestion uh, yesterday. Uh, and Mitch McConnell, as far as Mitch McConnell go- goes, uh, you, you're looking for any leadership uh, in the Senate, forget about it. Mitch McConnell has abdicated his position as Republican leader of the Senate, and basically given it to Donald Trump. Uh, As he said yesterday, uh, this Democratic plan, the plan Democrats have put forward, by the way, which will pass the House today with a lot of Republican support as well, this plan, which in effect already passed the Senate before, that gives $1.6 billion for border security, but nothing for the wall, Mitch McConnell says, now, he says, no, this isn't a serious proposal. The legislation that House Democrats are reporting, uh, reportedly planning mm. to introduce mm. and be voted mm. on tomorrow will not mm. be a serious contribution to the negotiations that are going on between the administration and the incoming Democratic majority in the House. Mm. Uh, <laughs> there, there are no negotiations going on. It's just Donald Trump saying $5 billion or nothing. Five billion is 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 got to be what it is. Uh, yeah, that's not a negotiation. It's not a negotiation. But I mean, Mitch McConnell, not not serious. I, I repeat, the 1.6 billion dollar plan already passed the Senate, Bi- par- overwhelming bipartisan support. Who's Mitch McConnell kidding? Now he says, we're not going to we're not going to waste our time on anything that Donald Trump doesn't like. The Senate will not waste its time considering a democratic bill which cannot pass this chamber and which the president will not sign. You know, just think about that. He's the leader of the United States Senate. Under the Constitution, he is the leader of one of the branches, of the equal branch of government to the executive branch. And what he is saying is, I don't have any power. I can't do anything. I won't do anything unless the president of the United States tells me ahead of time that he will sign this piece of legislation and unless he does that, we will not even take it up for a vote. Total abdication of any leadership position. I mean, what's the use of having that power? What's the use of having that position if you're afraid to use it for things that you believe in and things that are best for the American people? And that's the status of things today as Nancy Pelosi takes the gavel. And you know, you got to just take a minute out today to think about how significant that is. I mean, with all the Republican efforts to dismiss Nancy Pelosi as this extreme liberal from San Francisco, uh, as this woman who is in over her head and everything, she has defied them every step of the way. You got to give her credit. She was Speaker from 2007 to 2011, the first woman Speaker of the House of Representatives in history, Uh, and she lost the position in 2011 when John Boehner took over. She didn't give up. She didn't go away. She held her ground. She gradually brought the Democrats back to the point this year that they won 40 seats in the House of Representatives, took over Big time. People thought Democrats might win, but maybe pick up five or six seats. No, 40 seats. Overwhelming show of political moxie and power. Uh, and she will resume at the position of Speaker of the House of Representatives. It's the first time in 60 years, the first time since the legendary Sam Rayburn of Texas that a Speaker has been out of office, and come back as Speaker of the House of Representatives. Really a historic moment. Uh, And uh, it just shows, again, that Nancy Pelosi is one tough cookie and one smart political leader. The most powerful woman ever political in the history of the United States of America.
4: There's a good chance that uh, future members of Congress will be uh, uh, doing their work in the Nancy Pelosi building. Right, like they should absolutely name the building after Nancy Pelosi, uh, once we get a look back at at her legacy, because it's remarkable.
1: No, it really is. It's really remarkable. And and, and you know when and also I was thinking, I, I think that's absolutely right. There will be a Nancy Pelosi building. Got to be here in in Washington D.C. and there should be. There will also be a statue of Nancy Pelosi sure. in, in, in in the Congress. You know? I mean, look, we, we've talked They've... about this
4: many times. Nancy Pelosi broke our heart a couple of times. Uh, but w- when you look at what she has gotten done and what she has accomplished, uh, there's no denying uh, that she is one of the most powerful politicians in terms of how to get things uh, – getting things done that we've ever seen in this country. And I'm glad she's on our side.
1: <laughs> no, Absolutely. And, and all these efforts to dismiss her again as a lightweight, right, or dismiss her as, well, she's a woman. She's really not up to the job. She has she just proven them wrong over and over and over again. And the members uh, that we talk to, both Republicans and Democrats that I've talked to, and we've had so many of them here uh, on the show, they're the first to tell you that, again, Peter, as you pointed out, they may not agree with her on every single policy decision, but they respect her. And they trust her and they fear her because, you know, she is one tough leader.
4: I just, I saw an interview with her daughter, Alexander Pelosi, who has a piece that's going to be out on, on Vice about some of the uh, outgoing members of Congress. And her quote about her mother was, she will cut your head off and you won't even know that you're bleeding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is... All right, Alexandra. It's great. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, you know, a longtime friend of mine, Nancy Pelosi. She and I uh, uh, did a lot of work in San Francisco politics together. She was Democratic uh, State Chair of California several years before uh, I became Democratic State Chair of California. Uh, I've known her a long time, love her, and always respected her, and always looked up to her, and as as someone, uh, the smartest smartest political pro that. Uh, that uh, I ever met in in, in my time in uh, California and American politics, and the American people are going to get to, uh, uh, but they they see that they see that clearly uh, today, and I think all these again all these Republican efforts to d- demonize Nancy Pelosi and use her as the one big club or issue in their campaigns failed miserably, and I hope they. Just abandon that effort uh, because—or maybe they ought to keep it up because it's so unsuccessful. Uh, By the way, also, 2020, we are in it already, whether we're ready for it or not. Elizabeth Warren announcing her exploratory committee on Monday. And I got an email yesterday from um, Julian Castro, former HUD secretary, former mayor of San Antonio, Texas— who says he's got a big announcement to make this Saturday in San Antonio with his brother and with his grandmother standing alongside of him. I wonder what he's going to announce. 2020 is underway, and Hannah Trudeau has been uh, on the 2020 scene for uh, the National Journal uh, for a long time. Uh, She joins us next to uh, bring us up to date on both what, what we can expect on the Democratic and the Republican side here on this uh, Thursday edition of the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Give us a quick break, and we'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show
2: anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show.
1: Thursday, January 3rd, the Bill Press Show. Here we are. Good to have you with us. We start out in Washington, D.C. in our studio on Capitol Hill, joining you everywhere in this great land of ours, online, on the radio, and on television, brought to you today by the good men and women of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, members of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone, a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for all of America's working families at all of our great grocery chains across the country, uh, so uh, salute the members of the UFCW next time you're out uh, shopping, uh, and we thank them for their support of the program. Their website is UFCW.org. Joining us in studio from the National Journal, uh, Hannah Trudeau, uh, and uh, the provider's author of, uh, I don't know, publisher of the <laughs> OG 2020 newsletter for the National <laughs> Journal. Hi, Hannah. It's nice, Hi. To nice to see you. Hi. Nice to see you, too. Uh, And we've been at it for a little bit, as you know, and good hearing from you, Peter. Yes, lots of comments on
4: Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Let me first of all start with a poll that we ran yesterday. Mm. We talked a lot about Beto O'Rourke and will he run for president, now that we're talking about 2020. Uh, Will he run for president in 2020? 71% of you say yes, 29% of you say no, Mm. a couple comments on that uh koshia says i think he should be vice president then take a shot at the presidency uh mike elliott says whomever is on the democratic party ticket i will vote for no matter who it's time <laughs> for us to wake up <laughs> mom says uh he will be the democratic nominee so we're just cutting right to it there.
1: Yeah. Uh, she's ready. Sign also,
4: out. we've talked about the wall and the shutdown. Holly <laughs> says, Holly Tooker says, uh, Trump has already broken his wall pledge. He promised that Mexico would pay for the wall. Mm-hmm. And now we Good seem point. to past that. Uh, you know, I, I just want to point out that Donald Trump did tweet about this yesterday and he said Mexico is going to pay for the wall yeah. and that part of the wall is already built. Both of those things, neither of which is true, are not true. They are just not true. Uh, but if you have a comment on any topic at any time, just find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show.
1: Okay. So Hannah Trudeau from National Journal, author of the OG Twenty Twenty newsletter. What's OG stand?
5: For? <laughs> it stands for original. It's original. A, original. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, it doesn't stand for oh god.
5: No. It should. I think it should.
4: The OMG Newsletter. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Right. I'll run
5: that by my editor. Yeah,
4: give that a shot. (laughs) No, I think you
1: should because, um, so I'm writing a column uh, which I do for the Chicago Tribune uh, once a week and I'm working on it last night and I thought I would um, start out by talking about Elizabeth Warren 2020 Mm -hmm. but she's not alone. And so I started making a list. Okay. Now, I came up with Thirty-two. This hmm. does not include Hillary Clinton or Oprah Winfrey <laughs> okay. or Michael Avenatti or Andrew Cuomo, all of whom have taken okay. themselves more or less out yep. of running, right? Yes. But still, thirty-two.
5: Oh, my gosh. That's How a do lot. we sort that out? That's a lot of names. Um, I think— we can sort it out just by the people who have officially announced yet, which I think there are three. I don't know if you included um, Richard Ojeda on the list, but he's one of the three who's announced.
1: Um, uh, John Delaney. John
5: Delaney. And then Elizabeth Warren. I think we can put her in that announced I think category. So too. Yeah. Um, so that that would probably be a good start.
1: Right. Well, let's start with uh, with Elizabeth Warren, right? An exploratory committee.
5: hmm
1: We know that means she's going to run, right?
5: Yeah.
1: Um. And yet, she is, um, like in the latest polls I've seen, she's behind both Bernie and Joe Biden at this point? That's yes. It. Not that the polls are that meaningful. Like, yeah,
5: yeah. Early. Yeah, she's behind them. Um, I, you Does know. she
1: have the resources? Does she have uh, staff in place? Does she have money in place? Is this a serious?
5: going to be a serious I would say yes to all Effort. of those things um, actually during the midterms I think she probably more than almost anybody else if not anybody else has um, built the strongest apparatus um, of all of the sort of major serious contenders um, Bernie sort of has that in place from the previous run and Biden has it baked in with with who he is in, in terms of his track record of being a leader um, but she's really been working to build her grassroots support and build um, a really strong fundraising network. and. And um, She's really built a lot of state by state contact. She's hired staff in a lot of key um, battlegrounds, and has um, is starting to do it more. So she just announced some key Iowa, uh, Iowa hires, um, and has has really been doing that under the radar. And sort of her team, um, we did a little bit of reporting on it throughout twenty eighteen on in, on my team at National Journal, and um, you know her team kind of pushed back a- along the way as we sort of noted, like. Th- she just hired somebody from Hillary's team or somebody from, mm-hmm. you know, ex-former ex campaign um, because they didn't want to give the illusion that she was doing that. And, and I mean, all the while, that is sort of what she was preparing. And we're seeing that now.
1: And she is going to Iowa this weekend. Yes. For, for several events. For
5: a four-city tour. Yep.
1: OK. Uh, clearly, again, she will not have the field to herself for very long. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I want to read to you an email that I got yesterday. Mm -hmm. from uh, Julian Castro. Dear Bill, uh, I will announce this weekend, I will announce Mm -hmm. my decision about running for president in 2020. I'll do this from my hometown of San Antonio, in the neighborhood where I grew up, with my grandmother, my brother, and my mother. Bill, will you join me there for this important moment? Come to the block party my family and I are hosting for our community and supporters from near and far, uh, given that, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any doubt about what Julian Castro is <laughs> right. going to announce. He's not getting people from all over the country together. Oh, by the way, they're going to be mariachis too, of course. Oh, he says because, okay. of course, it is San Antonio. That's nice. Uh, that's right.
5: That takes the edge off the so, <laughs> presidential buildup.
1: No surprise there. Either, no,
5: right? um, he's he's been building. Um, you know, he's he's been sort of pounding the pavement. Um, he's been to New Hampshire, I think, three or four times in 2018. And I don't know if that be, that was, you know, wholly recognized by the media at the time. Um, he's kind of an under the radar candidate. He was a former mayor, um, former cabinet secretary. And so he's kind of in that outsiders um, group. And I I like to think of him as uh, having taken this as sort of an extended gap year, um, you know, as like people do after they graduate from high school and they sort of don't know what to do before college. He left the Obama administration and he's mm-hmm. been sort of testing the waters. Um, he, he just published a book. So he's been, you know, touring that a little bit. Um, but I think it's it's been fairly clear that he's been up to something along these lines for at least a year or so. Uh,
1: but, you know, um, he's got Competition in Texas.
5: <laughs> yes, he does. With That's right. With a man right. who
1: has who uh, runs ran statewide. Yes. Almost, run, almost won the Senate race, and has a lot of personal wealth, and um, and has generated a lot more buzz nationwide yeah. than Julian Castro. Of course, yeah. we're talking about Beto O'Rourke.
5: Yes, um, and I I was thinking about. Julian in the context of Beto, and I think that that might be one of the reasons that's pushed him to announce or potentially announce um, on Saturday, maybe earlier than he thought. Of course, it's better to announce early if you are one of these younger or lesser-known candidates to you know get the momentum going and the fundraising and everything like that. Um, but I think with Beto potentially in the mix, it's going to be a pretty big uphill climb for him um, in that sense because there is so much momentum with Beto right I mean, now.
1: Beto, be- it seems to me, would eclipse Julian Castro. I if think he so I mean the
5: they, they both fit into that younger up-and-coming sort of progressive mold there's been obviously questions about Beto's true progressive um, bona fides and, and stuff like that but um, in terms of the, the general public per, uh, perception of him I think is that he's a young progressive up-and-coming leader and I think Julian um, would like to fit into that category as well so in terms of competing for that space in Texas it might be um, you know might be hard for both of them right
1: now in the middle of this right um, Andrew Cuomo yesterday, governor yeah. of uh, New York, mm-hmm. um, or the day before, whenever, when he gave his State of the, Un- mm-hmm. State, of the State address, took himself out of the running, mm-hmm. said he was not going to run for president. By the way, I never saw his name on anybody's yeah, list. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I, I, I don't think with, he was right? ever
5: on ours in, in the office, but no, um, no. yeah.
1: So he took himself officially out of the race, but did say, didn't endorse him, but he did mm-hmm. say he feels that vice president... Joe Biden. We're not allowed to say former vice right, president. Right. Yes.
5: Yes. That's Apparently part of, not. Part yes. Of the deal. Yep.
1: <laughs> vice President Joe Biden has has he said the best case. This is Andrew Cuomo mm-hmm. among any of the potential Democratic candidates. Does he?
5: I saw that and I thought um, the first thing that came to my mind, maybe this is wrong, um, but I remember that Biden was one of the first people to endorse Cuomo's (laughs) re-election campaign uh, to the governor. So maybe maybe that came into play um, a bit, but but, but yeah, I mean, I think I think there's something to that. I think a lot of people are talking about Biden in that sense. They're saying. You know, he's the only one that can beat Trump, and I, you know, I think that might be really um, premature to say, but I think that's on a lot of people's minds. I think they see him as potentially winning back a lot of the states that um, that Trump took over. Obviously, kind of those working class um, voters in the Midwest, and um, you know, we'll see. But I think with with Cuomo, I think he and Biden are pretty close. So you know, it was kind of probably a knee jerk reaction to say this guy is it's the hard... one to beat him.
1: It's if you if you're if you're discounting age which i think Mm. since bernie you almost can do Mm -hmm. almost
5: Mm -hmm. at least
1: it's hard to argue with the statement i think that joe biden has the best case for being president yeah given his experience in the senate and given his experience as vice president and a lot of i think regret among democrats that he Mm -hmm. did not run in 2016
5: yeah, and I think um, there are a lot of people that are nostalgic for those Obama Biden years too, and they're they're kind of looking for him to take up where Obama left off, and maybe maybe choose somebody like Beto for a VP spot, or choose somebody like Kamala Harris, or um, you know choose a younger leader to, to kind of follow in his footsteps. But I think um, you know there's definitely a lot of a lot of people who are talking about Biden.
4: You know, I think that what we're talking about right now is going to be the one question that every democratic voter is going to want to have answered mm-hmm. as we get to 2020 who can how, beat trump how am i going to beat donald trump yeah. right mm-hmm. Absolutely. so like whether or not it's Biden or Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, whatever, that's the question that they're going to have to answer. As you were saying yesterday, Bill, on our on our call before the show, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of daylight between the issues yeah. that all these yeah. candidates are going to run on. And I think a lot yeah. of people who want to run on right. f- more left positions and more progressive issues realize now that they can, mm-hmm. when you look at what Bernie did in 2016, you could you could run pretty far left. And so I don't think we're going to see a lot of super centrist conservative Democrats trying to run on that.
5: No. There's so, not going to
1: be a Joe Manchin Democrat.
4: R- exactly.
5: It might be Terry McAuliffe, but that's probably the closest uh, uh, centrist. Uh, 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 uh. Sure, yeah. yeah, I mean, who's sure. not
1: very far right. No, I right. mean, he's not, but right. I would.
5: But that's kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like... Um,
1: and, if you will, an establishment middle of the road yeah, Democrat, yeah. right? Every
4: but, Democratic nominee needs to have an answer to why are you the best candidate to beat Absolutely. Donald Trump? Yeah, yeah. Well, so why not
1: Bernie? I mean, because look, Bernie almost made it the last time. Again, a lot of people like me, yeah. Bernie supporters, feel had he been the nominee, he would have uh, beat Donald Trump because um, he certainly appealed to the working class. <coughs> Democrats, a lot of whom in the Midwest went with Donald Trump yeah. instead of Hillary, didn't feel that that, that she related to them. Um, and uh bernie raised so much money from a small 238 million dollars from small contributions got all those people out at rallies it generated all that excitement almost won the nomination why why doesn't why doesn't bernie deserve it
5: i wouldn't discount bernie i mean i'm i'm kind of going out on a limb to say that i know that he's had some missteps in the midterms and he's had um, you know, Our Revolution, which is one of the groups that was formed after, mm-hmm. um, you know, his it, presidency. That... Yeah, it, it kind of um, it had a lot of structural problems and and that was a big part of his grassroots effort. So, um, you know, that could, could potentially be a problem for him. He had something recently in the news uh, just the other day about sexual harassment allegations that happened on his campaign. Um, you know, so there's, there's some clear. problems like that.
1: Uh, I know what you're talking about. Not sexual harassment allegations against the senator. No, at no, all. no. In fact, no indication that I've seen that, that he was he even did. aware. of No, he of wasn't, these. and he and he they said were, he
5: wasn't aware yesterday.
1: That happened <clears throat> um, allegedly um, among camp some of the yeah. campaign workers. Yeah,
5: right? yeah. So Which that's just. So it's not
1: unusual, I might add, in any campaign.
5: Sure, and yeah, and I've not heard. Not that it's right. It's, no, no, not no, completely. In any and I, I've heard people talk about that um, today. I think and yesterday, and it's it's kind of like. Um, you know, these are sort of things that pile on with almost any campaign. And if you're he was kind of perceived to be the front runner this time around early on. And now, you know, we have a lot of a lot more people potentially entering the race. But I think there's there's some things like that that might hold him down in the beginning a bit in terms of the media coverage and and stuff like that. But um, I still look at his strong support base and I don't think that that support has completely evaporated. I mean, I think that, um, you know, people might choose you know other potential candidates who run, like Elizabeth Warren, who might closely align with him. Um, but I think there's still a lot of support for him among his core base. I mean, is that going to be enough to win? You know, who knows? Probably nobody not. Nobody is
1: nobody is going to have um, a free ride this time. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Nobody, nobody's going to stand aside and say. They deserve it because, like, even Joe Biden, he was there. He right, was our vice president. Right. So we're not going to dare run against him. No, it's a free for
5: Yeah, yeah. So with that kind of stuff, and I even mean, Elizabeth
1: Warren, if I just jump in. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren in the Senate, I mean, she's not also not going to be the only senator. I no. mean, again, by my count, if you include people like Chris Murphy, who mm. hasn't done as much as others, maybe, you know, you got your people who are no doubt, Cory yes. Booker, Kamala Harris, yeah. Kirsten Gillibrand. Amy Klobuchar, (laughs) but then you got some others like Blumenthal and-
5: Sherrod Brown. And
1: Sherrod Brown and Chris Murphy and Jeff Merkley. You could have
5: eight (laughs) or ten
1: U.S. senators running.
5: Yeah, I mean, so- They
1: won't be able to do any business. They won't be able to get a quorum in the Senate to all be out (laughs) campaigning.
5: But, it, I mean, it shows that, like, I think, um, just going back to Bernie, I think it's like you know, his turn might be now for a little bit more negative coverage than somebody else might be getting. You know, Elizabeth Warren had a lot of negative coverage before right before the midterms with the DNA test and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's. I think it, it comes and goes. Um, one one thing about Bernie like Biden is he has the name recognition. He has a lot of so people who, who like him, obviously people who don't. Um, but that's sort of a plus, you know, in terms going into it in terms of in, instead of somebody like Jeff Merkley, who people might not be you know completely familiar with. Right. Um.
1: It is. Donald Trump is what seventy one now, seventy two. I
5: seventy two. I think. Think,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, is and Joe Biden's about the same age, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Bernie's a little older, seventy five. I think Bernie
5: is going to be seventy eight in twenty twenty. So, so. Is seventy six? Yeah. It,
1: it, or seventy seven? Is that a, an issue any, any longer?
5: <laughs> I I mean, it's hard to tell if it is, but I don't I don't think it is in, only because people know how old they are right now and they still support them. You know, so it's like you ask anybody who they like and they'll say, I like Joe Biden. They know how old he is, you know, but they still say his name. Um, Same with Bernie. I think
1: it comes back to what Peter was saying, is that what Democrats are mainly looking for is the person who can beat Donald Trump. Yeah. doesn't matter whether they're young or old or male or female. And and, and
4: I think you'll see a lot of Democrats sort of make (laughs) deals with themselves on candidates they might not have normally supported because Mm -hmm. they feel like this candidate is best suited to beat Donald Trump.
5: Yeah, definitely.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
4: And the age thing is part of it. Like, I think that Yeah, Bernie Sanders might be too old, but he might also be Trump. Mm -hmm. All right. We
1: also have some people that uh, we keep talking about these Washington types. But let's not (laughs) forget, there are, you mentioned Terry McAuliffe. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's Jay Inslee, Mm -hmm. governor of Washington. Uh, John Hickenlooper, Mm -hmm. um, governor of Colorado. They're all talking about possibly running. And governors have have done well running for president, both Republicans and Democrats. We also have three mayors, at least that I know of, right? <laughs> yes. Eric Garcetti from Los Angeles, Moon Landrew, New Orleans, and Pete Buttigieg from uh, mm-hmm. South Bend. Yes. Right. Uh, and Pete
5: is getting pretty close, I think, to announcing something himself, or at least he's he's been really building the groundwork for quite a while. Um, and he's, you know, he's a good young progressive candidate. I think that the challenge for um, somebody like him or for Mitch Landrew is that they just lack the the name recognition and so um, while a lot like some of them have spent much of 2018 kind of canvassing the country already they still haven't built up enough of a like <clears throat> on par name recognition as some of the other people so they're starting at um, a really significant disadvantage in terms of their name ID um, okay. I, I don't okay. know if that's going to be enough time to you know make it up
1: okay uh, okay now I want to uh, confess That we are um, speaking, starting with me, now guilty of committing the same sin that I've been accusing other journalists of doing, which is focusing on the Democratic side of 2020 (laughs) and not talking about who might challenge Donald Trump. (laughs) I think it's even maybe a more important question
5: Mm. about Uh, who will
1: challenge, if anybody will challenge Donald Trump in the Republican primary, because if they do (laughs) not— The Republican Party ceases to exist. Yeah. It seems to me this is the last chance if there is any of the Republican Party that we once knew left that somebody's got to stand up for that party in the 2020 Republican primary.
5: Um it sounds it almost sounds like you're summoning Mitt Romney to call Hello, to an action. Mitt.
1: <laughs> well, if I were summoning somebody that I thought could win, I would not summon <laughs> Mitt. Um, and yesterday, Peter, we have that quote where Mitt was asked by Jeff, uh, Jake Tapper, mm-hmm. flat out. Um, well, in fact, let's listen to them both. First was, do you regret the fact that, remember when Donald Trump flew out to Las Vegas yes. and did the big endorsement of Mitt, yes. which was pretty embarrassing? Yes. Do you regret that? Do you regret accepting his
0: endorsement when he sent that tweet during your senator? Oh, I, 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 he was endorsing me. I wasn't endorsing oh, him. Yeah, uh, and I haven't yeah. decided who I'm going to endorse in you, 2020. Yeah. I'm going to wait and see what the alternatives are. Mm-hmm. So you're not on
1: board? Because the, the, the senior senator from Utah, uh, Mike Lee, said he uh, is likely going to endorse uh, the president. I'm surprised.
0: I think it's really to make that decision, and I want to see what the alternatives are. But I have pointed out there are places where we agree and a whole series of policy fronts. Uh, but there are places that I think uh, the president can... Uh, if you will elevate his game and and do a better job to help bring us together as a nation. So he's going to wait and see
1: who else <laughs> might be running. How about Jake Tapper? What are you going to run?
0: Is there any chance that you might emerge as an alternative to President Trump and run against him for president in the primaries in 2020? No, you may have heard I ran before. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that experience. And by the way, I, I acknowledge the president uh, was successful and I was not. Uh, he did something I couldn't do. He won. And uh, and I, I recognize that and appreciate that, uh, but uh, but no, I'm not running again. And we'll see whether someone else does it in a Republican primary or not. But uh, time will tell. Uh,
1: so for what it's worth, he says he's not running. He could always change his mind. Yeah. Um, who else might? So two people
5: run? that have said who that, that have not said that they're not running, um, are John Kasich and Jeff Flake. Um, so I I keep those two names sort of in the um back of my mind as possible challengers because they've for the past year and a half to two years now have kind of um, tiptoed around the question of whether they will or will not challenge him Um, I've talked to some people who know you know Kasich's thinking and they sort of say he wants to do it but he also is realistic and he only will do it if he thinks he actually has a chance Um, so that's that's kind of where he stands I think on that and Jeff Flake I think I'm not sure, you know, what his constituency would be if he does decide to challenge him, um, but I, I don't think he's completely ruled it out either. What
1: happened to Kasich in the sense that we used to hear a lot from him? Mm. I think he's just sort of disappeared.
5: Yeah, he's disappeared largely from the public eye, except for sort of Twitter. He's always attacking the president on on Twitter, and um, his his aides kind of come up, pop up, um, you know, every once in a while to kind of take a jab at Trump. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's really been using this time to kind of like mull he's over out of
1: office now, I guess. Yeah. As of today or yesterday. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah. So I think he's been using like the end of his term and sort of this, you know, beginning time to kind of decide whether he wants to take a real stab at it.
1: But, but when you think about it, all the others who ran in 2016 mm-hmm. and were Pretty strongly critical yeah. of Donald Trump, Marco Rubio, Ted Chris Cruz, Christie. Chris Christie, <laughs> yeah. Lindsey Graham.
5: Yeah.
1: They've all just caved in to Trump, right? There's nobody among that group still yeah, standing. Yeah, no, Paul. I don't think all so. I mean, ass kissers, if I can use that phrase. <laughs> uh, now, and even Jeff Flake. I mean, when you look at Jeff Flake, yeah, he said some critical things about Donald Trump, but he voted for yeah. everything he wanted.
5: Yeah, and I think with like with the Supreme Court, you know, vote for yeah. Kavanaugh, I think that that kind of sealed where he stood in terms of Trump, and um, you know that angered a lot of people, and maybe some people that would have potentially voted for him in a pri- in a primary challenge to Trump were sort of turned off by that. Um, so I am not sure you know what his next move will be or if there there will be an appetite for somebody like him. I think Kasich yeah. um, same same kind of line of thinking with him. He well. he he ran against Trump last time and we saw how he did. All so. Right.
1: so we're calling on one brave Republican to stand up and challenge Donald Trump in the Republican primary, <laughs> and that'll make your job even more interesting. Hannah Trudeau, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Nationaljournal.com and Jason yes. Dick joins He's us next. The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. If I
1: go along with Democrats on the wall, I'll look foolish, said Donald Trump yesterday. (laughs) Poor guy. Doesn't he understand? He already looks foolish. (laughs) Maybe the biggest fool ever to occupy the Oval Office. Hello, everybody. Here we go on a Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. Yeah, we are rolling into the new year with a lot going on and a big historic day in Washington today where Democrats take over control of the Congress and Nancy Pelosi will be sworn in yet again, a second time as Speaker of the House of Representatives, the first woman to hold that post and the first person to get the speakership back after losing it in some 60 years. Now we have Sam Rayburn and Nancy Pelosi side by side in the history books. Uh, man, it's, uh, this, is the, this is the kind of stuff that Jason Dick from the National Journal, I mean, whoa, National Journal, I'm sorry, from CQ Roll Call. Previously of National Hannah Journal. Hannah Trudeau was National Journal, <laughs> previously of National <laughs> Journal. It keeps him busy and happy, and uh, hello, Jason. It's good to see you. It's great to be here, Bill. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah. This year is starting off with a bang, isn't it? It, I mean, it, it is. And, not and to mention the shutdown. Not, uh, right?
2: Yeah, the partial shutdown. Uh, we're t- uh, talking to Peter Ogburn. Even even the Confederate national sites are shut down. That's true. I uh, was just down, down in South, South Carolina. Carolina.
4: I was going to take some friends to Fort Sumter. We couldn't go. It's closed. <laughs> Part of the shutdown. Oh, Either. I
1: thought it just affected the northern states. No. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no. I thought it was just, no. The, the poop
2: was overflowing in just yeah. the northern uh, yeah, right. territories. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and Yosemite. That ought,
1: to, that ought to really piss them off, right? Yeah. That, Donald yeah, Trump's absolutely. state. So to speak. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So you can see we got lots to talk about uh, in this hour. Jason here, as a friend of Hill, we'll will be joined by Jordan Carney from The Hill. Uh, a little bit uh, later for the second half hour. Uh, and we'll jump right into it with your comments coming on Twitter at BP Show. But first it he is, is A
4: Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Let's say you're on the road and you mm-hmm. want to get something to eat. You're hungry but you're a vegetarian. It's awfully hard to find options out there. Carl's Jr. is about to make it a lot easier. Right now, you can go to Carl's Jr. and you can order a Beyond Famous Star Burger. It costs $6.29, and it is a vegetarian burger made with the Beyond Meat patties. You've seen these Beyond Meat patties. They are... Vegan patties, and mention. I just want to mention. I did say vegetarian, not vegan, for the burger because it has American cheese on it. You could get it without that to make it vegan. Is that
2: really dairy, though? Even American cheese. That's not
4: real, actual dairy, (laughs) but technically it is not vegan. Uh, Ethan Brown is the CEO of Beyond Meat, and he talks about why this might be appealing to some people. Fast food
2: really isn't about salads; it's about burgers and fries. And so, what if we can create a burger that's really healthy, and so people can have the benefits of plant-based eating, but have it in the format. a delicious, satiating meat
4: burger. There you go. So if you go to any of Carl's Jr.'s 1,000 locations around the country, $6.29 gets you a vegetarian burger.
1: Do they have those at Five Guys?
4: <laughs> Not yet.
2: Just think fast food will now make vegetarianism a homogenized part of the culture. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, How about this? The Hong Kong-based airline, Cathay Pacific, made a small ticketing error, just a tiny ticketing Uh error. They were selling tickets between Vietnam and New York. They normally sell for $16,000 for $675. Snap them up. Several people snapped them up. And this has happened before with airlines. And they said, oops, we made a goof. You're going to have to rebook this flight. They actually said, you know what? We're going to honor no these kidding. flights. We're going to let you fly.
1: 16,000 must have been first class.
4: First class. it was first class. Yeah. These are first class tickets. These yeah. were the first class tickets. So they were selling now first class tickets for $675 instead of 16 gur. A little bit of a savings there.
1: Yeah. Well, good for the airline for saying it was our fault. So Yeah, they we, said you know, we screwed up. That was a it.
4: glitch. We 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 want to honor those tickets.
1: Damn, I missed that one. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. It's a new day in Washington with a new speaker and a new power lineup uh, that's uh, going to make it uh, make things a lot different here than have been for the last two years. Hello, everybody! That day, this day, historic day is Thursday, January third, two thousand nineteen. Good to have you with us for this uh, special edition of the Bill Press Show from our nation's capital. Just down the street from the United States Capitol building, where the big uh, ser- well, it'll be a whole series of uh, special occasions today. All the swearings, swearing ins, or swearings in,
2: swearings like, like in, swearings attorneys general. <laughs> oh, thank you.
1: All right. Our gr- gr- grammarian here, <laughs> Jason. It was an English teacher. Uh, keeping at one us point. straight.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, of 434 members of the House, uh, because uh, one seat in North Carolina is still contested, uh, and uh, the entire 100 members of the United States Senate. And uh, most attention on uh, Nancy Pelosi taking the gavel from, uh, we've been told she's going to get the gavel not from former Speaker Paul Ryan, but from. Uh, Republican leader Kevin McCarthy.
2: Uh, I think uh, Paul Ryan is is growing the beard out again, um, yeah, you know, hanging out just, in deer stands in Wisconsin, bow hunting, <laughs> whatever bow hunting season it is right now, raccoons yeah, or, whatever, right. or maybe iguanas down in Florida, right, Peter? He's just decided, the hell with
1: Washington, I'm leaving. I don't want to be there yeah. uh, so for that little uh, ceremonial handing over of the gavel. And meanwhile, the shutdown goes on in its 12th or so day by by now. Uh, joining us uh, to um, comment on all of the above, Jason Dick uh, from the CQ Roll Call, deputy editor of CQ Roll Call. Jason, good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I just Jones. want
4: to point out really quickly before we get crack-a-lacking on this, uh, yeah. I, I gave out Jason's book, Under the Dome, as Christmas gifts mm-hmm. this year. Beautiful book. Yeah, very, very Notice. cool book. Very, very yeah. cool book. I sold on them out our at Politics Coffee and Pros. They're out. They're, I got the last of them. Is that right? Yeah. Always, and
2: Pros? I've always wanted to be a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> I can <laughs> there you go.
4: Like Lenny Bruce said, we all grow up and sell out at some point.
1: Uh, Under the Dome, not yet sold out. However, at Amazon, Amazon.com. Correct. So Thank you. Get, yeah. Yeah.
2: Nice little plug. Thank you, Peter. There um, we are. No iguanas in the in the uh, book, but you know, maybe <laughs> maybe next time, maybe book number two. So, uh, big cabinet meeting yesterday uh,
1: at the White House, which it was sort of like. Uh, a forum for Donald Trump to perform for the cameras y- yet well, again. I mean, and yeah. <laughs> I just say, and sitting to his left is the acting defense secretary Patrick Shanahan, mm-hmm. uh, who joins the acting head of this, the acting head of that. Is there anybody who's really got the job? At
2: this? I think yeah there's a few I think about half the cabinet has been confirmed by the Senate at this point uh, or you know I mean there's there's a, there's a few more than that but it, but people have We have um, an acting chief of staff uh, acting chief of staff who is the Confirmed, also, you know, head of the Office of Management yeah. and Budget, but also the he was the previously the acting head of the Consumer Financial <laughs> right. Protection Bureau. Um, you know, the, the the joke going around Washington was that with Ryan Zinke, you know, out at at the sec, at the Interior Department, that uh, Mick Mulvaney will do it. I mean oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> he'll just yeah. he'll just add another thing to his portfolio. Well, that was a joke uh, about chief of staff until right, it happened. Right, exactly, and and you know, it, I you, you feel for some of these people who are being asked to do you know ten different jobs. And I, I want to focus on a little bit on the performance uh, art Please. aspect of it because yeah. um, th- I mean we used to joke about this right, but there was a poster of you know th- this sort of weird Game I'm of still Thrones. Still trying to figure out that poster. Poster. Right? Describe uh, you know, the poster for us. It so was the, pos- like the poster, the poster, right, is is, is a, a photo of the of the president, sort of I don't know, looking over, making sure Melania isn't about to stab <laughs> him or something. And and uh, and well, it is a Game of Thrones thing, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. And it's it is in the Game of Thrones font. It's just him. um, And and he's kind of looking to the side. And it's got the miss, you know, I guess of the wall or whatever. (laughs) Uh, And and it says sanctions are coming, you know, a play on the, the term winter is coming for. Uh, Game of Thrones, and you know, usually, it, what's odd about it is that we, th- it, we think it's a, an Iran thing, maybe. You know, they they they, yeah. they, they whip this thing out. To, Let me just whip this out, uh, as as uh, <laughs> Mel Brooks characters would say. <laughs> yes. <Excuse laughs> um, the the uh, you know they they whip this thing out after they they. Pulled out of the Iran deal uh, and and uh, <laughs> it's too oh, much uh, it too, too, much, many, too yeah. much too early. Yes. Too, right. <laughs> too yeah. much too early. Um, and said sanctions are coming and and, and had and designed this poster. And, you know, I mean, I guess one of the problems, I mean, d- d- leaving aside the grammarian and going to, to the metaphor part of the English teacher background, I mean, uh, usually when they say winter is coming in Game of Thrones, it's not a good thing. I mean, that oh. that means that the Deep Freeze oh. and the White Walkers and, and basically hell on Earth is about to be unleashed. War, it's not a good thing. It's, it's rarely a positive thing to also, say winter is coming. Also,
4: there is a uh, wall in the series, right. Game of Thrones, right. and... Um it didn't work out very
2: well. No, it does not work. For it, our heroes. It, it, it doesn't really work. So, But the other th- great thing is that this poster was just there in the cabinet meeting, and nobody really talked no. about it. Oh. I mean, oh. it, it's, yeah. I mean <laughs> it, it's, it was kind of like I, was, an emperor it, has no clothes thing, but, but an emperor in, has a weird poster. It was you know? in front
1: of him on the right, table. Right. Yeah. Um, I
4: thought it was Photoshop. I saw it on on Twitter yesterday. I honest to God, I thought it was Photoshop. It was until it wasn't until this morning <laughs> that I realized. Oh, that was a real thing that happened. That
2: was a real thing. Somebody thought I don't know Stephen Miller or somebody like that thought like, let's put this poster which has strange like metaphorical <laughs> content in it just in front of the president, and then we'll have all these guys say that he's awesome. And, right. and then we'll undercut Pence, and in the negotiations over the wall, <laughs> like at one point, you know, Trump, you know, Pence was saying like, "Well, you know, we want this much money," and 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 Trump immediately said, "No, it's got to be more. It's national yeah. security," and it was just this this weird. I mean, like watching it, at one point he 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 talked about the defense secretary and how he's better looking than Tom Cruise. I mean, it's just like it was just weird. I mean, it was it just keeps <laughs> keeps on getting like more. Strange.
1: Uh, I thought Ann Guerin sort of summed up the meeting yesterday, front page of Washington Post, where she says, It quickly became, this is the cabinet meeting, it quickly became a 95 minute stream of consciousness defense of his presidency and worldview filled with falsehoods, revisionist history, and self aggrandizement. <laughs> I mean, there it is. That was it. <laughs> and he said some crazy things like when he talked about uh, former defense secretary. James Mattis.
3: As you know, President Obama fired him, and essentially so did I. Essentially.
1: Essentially he fired James Mattis. Uh, we all read the letter. We all read <laughs> James Mattis' letter of resignation, which was pretty clear
2: that he said, "Basically, I can't stand it anymore. Right. I'm out. Right. Also, Trump rarely fires anybody directly. I mean, like the, the apprentice, you know, was yeah. was as close yeah. as he got. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it be, he, he just basically tweets out that people are gone. But as you're right, you're right. In in the case of Mattis, you know, the, the you know, the stuff with Syria, the abruptness with which he announced his withdrawal from Syria. You know, that was enough for Mattis, and, and, you know, he'll he he penned something quite literally for the history books. It looks like I mean, he, yeah. he, he wants this. He wanted that recorded and in for posterity and i'm guessing that it will be what didn't get
1: uh, much attention is that trump followed that up by actually saying the washington post reported i think i would have been a good general <laughs> this is a guy who got five, if not for the bone spurs <laughs> right <laughs> the, five right. deferments right, right. And now he has the audacity to say he would have made a good general mm-hmm. it
2: it yeah it it's, it's it is interesting you know i I saw Vice over the weekend, uh, and and they, they sort of they they just sort of glide right over the the, the deferments that Dick Cheney, the former vice president, mm-hmm. uh, received to to avoid service in in Vietnam. And again, not to not to turn it into a, a discussion of the Vietnam War, but you know, I've the thing that has struck me about the the draft deferments with Trump. Uh, is that i you know my my wife who's a, a runner or jogger she has bone spurs and she continues to run anyway because it's the mm. b- fitness is more important to her than a, like a little bit of discomfort in the in her bone spur uh, in in her left heel and it, I mean it's true that yes that could be a problem if you're in if you're serving in in a you know infantry sort of situation and so forth but now this this book that I read last year, the Nightingale's song about several you know members of the of Congress and the administration and the Reagan administration who great book yeah, I just read yeah, it uh, it's, again. It's, it's just it's an amazing book yeah. and and you know it talks about John McCain and Bud McFarlane and and uh, John Poindexter and Jim Webb and Oliver North, uh, you know none of whom saw directly eye to eye on any sort of topic. One of the things that struck me immensely about this particularly in the context of the current commander in chief and some of the other people who avoided service in in Vietnam by getting deferments over you know what have you but certainly health is that Jim Webb and Oliver North who hated each other in real life and on a policy basis and a political basis both of them it struck me that they lied repeatedly about the extent of the of grievous injuries to themselves so they could mm. stay in stay. combat. Yeah. So that the, right. and it, when they were already there too after having, having suffered you know, injuries in a combat zone, they lied about the extent to, to how grievously injured they were so they could stay there. And then we have a current commander-in-chief who received deferments over bone spurs, which has also been called into question whether they were even there or not uh, with this sort of coverage of this podiatrist, this podiatrist kids who said like, yeah, he was yeah. a friend, friend of Fred Trump's and wrote and him a so,
1: letter. Yeah, Fred so, asked me to yeah. write him a letter. right? right. Um, Meanwhile, let's not um, uh, (laughs) ignore the fact that the shutdown uh, continues, and we saw some um, additional signs of the shutdown yesterday here in Washington with the Smithsonian shutting down, the National Gallery, the National Zoo, boom, boom, boom. Uh,
2: Shutdown here for how long? At this stage, I I don't see... Who backs down? I mean, Nancy Pelosi certainly doesn't. I mean, she, she and her, you know, Democratic allies in the House, and also with Chuck Schumer in, in the Senate, and the, as the Minority Leader, they feel like they have public opinion on on their side, which is borne out in public opinion polling, and they they feel that this is the right thing to do, also, and that they have they they had a deal before the the shutdown started. And, they, and they're saying that's what it is. Now, it is a stalemate. By the way, it was a deal
1: that passed the Senate. Right. Uh, the Senate actually, bipartisan, mm-hmm. agreed to the deal. Uh, Paul Ryan at the time said, we'll go along with yep. this, right? And the White House, that was the last briefing that I was at in 2018, uh, the White House said, yeah, we'll find some money somewhere else for right. the wall, so we'll, we'll sign this. Right. And basically- that that was the last day that i was here for right. the show in 2018 mm-hmm. everybody said okay we avoided the shutdown right yeah and then and mark, and mark meadows intervenes with donald trump he changes his right. mind and we've got to shut shutdown so do they have an end game i mean it uh, doesn't, an exit strategy it
2: doesn't seem like it doesn't you know look i mean like it, it. it really it really doesn't look like it. so this could be a long time now i th- i think that at a certain point the you know we're going to start getting stories about people missing their mortgage payments and and you know m- more than just the inconvenience of somebody's vacation gets screwed up you know because they, they can't they went go to, to the natural history yeah, museum or or Fort Sumter or Fort Sumter right, <laughs> yeah. right. still upset uh, about uh, that <laughs> uh, but but you know th- there's a difference between you know having to deal with some trash on the National Mall and somebody losing their right. house yeah and that will that that will spread out over you know the the country too and it's not just going to affect yeah. a bunch of Democrats oh, no. in Fairfax County. Uh, you know, Virginia, where, you know, there's a preponderance of, of federal workers. And at that point, you know, Trump has this. He does. His superpower is redefining reality. Uh, and and he, you know, he usually finds some way to sort of eke out a win or say something as a win. And in this case, I mean, if they were to if if they were to go ahead with the what Nancy Pelosi wants to vote on today after shortly after she's sworn in, um, it would it would include one point three billion dollars for you know a a wall a fence whatever steel artistic steel slats whatever they want to call it um at this point and they could they my guess is they could say like This is what we're going to do. We're going to go down to Arizona in this one particular area where we got a lot of border crossings and a lot of- Trump
1: could find a way to declare it a victory that I won.
2: But it doesn't seem like they're there yet. And and, and the unfortunate thing is that I think that there's going to have to be a lot of pain inflicted on fairly innocent people uh, before there's some movement. Right. Uh, Chuck Schumer
1: made that point yesterday that with Donald Trump, it seems like uh, what he's saying is, uh, I get- it's either I get everything I want or I'm just going to hurt people. Right. Uh, and uh, he was telling reporters that yesterday. Yeah. Here's Schumer.
3: We hope that they will not use the American people, the millions who depend on these eight departments, and the workers who are either not working or not getting paid as hostages to have a temper tantrum, pound the table and say it's our way or we hurt all these people.
1: Right. And, you know, the Democratic plan, as you you alluded there, too, is that they they divide. There are nine agencies. Okay, we'll take eight of them that have nothing to do with border security, and we'll reopen them to the end of the year, roughly. Right. And this one that does have to do with border security, Department of Homeland Security, we'll reopen that, but for 30 days. Right. So we can negotiate, have 30 days to negotiate it. Right. Right. You know, that's a pretty reasonable plan, I think. Right.
2: One would think. One would think. Uh, Especially because border patrol agents are among the people who are not being paid right now, (laughs) along with the Secret Service and the Coast Guard and all the people who actually do secure protection for the American people. But they have to work
1: because they're essential, but they're not getting paid. All right. Right. Now, Trump's response to that is, and some of his supporters like Ann Coulter who said yesterday, no, he has to have the wall because of his base. And if he doesn't build the wall, he will not get reelected in 2020. So, my question is, seriously, Donald Trump's base is going to abandon him because he doesn't get to build this damn wall, by the way, which of course, Mexico was going to pay right, for
2: right i mean i i I have I have my doubts. I mean, I'm not a political strategist like Ann Coulter is uh, but <laughs> oh, but, yeah. but it it's hard to see again it it, it is really difficult for me to see. The base abandoning him over anything. I mean, he he's the one who said he could shoot somebody on exactly. Fifth Avenue and and exactly. not lose any support. So what's what's the right. big deal on 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 reappropriating some you know leftover money in the Homeland Security Department to you know build up the fence again or something yeah. like that? I mean, I, I and also you lose that as a as a cudgel, right? I mean, you, you can you it, it, politically. I mean, if if I'm one of the president's political advisors, I'm saying like, take half a loaf you know go on the road and say if we had a Republican house exactly if we had more exactly. Republican senators then we could hit them over the head you know we, we could we could get this I mean like like live to fight yeah. another day that's that's the lesson of Nancy Pelosi in her own political career sure. is sure. that you you cut a deal you declare victory and you keep moving towards
1: other yeah. victories yeah I didn't get my wall but it's not my fault it's Nancy Pelosi's fault it's Chuck Schumer's fault or it's Mitch McConnell's right. fault or something what I didn't but I did everything I could. Plus, added to that, of who we just indicated to me, I think he's, I don't think, he has already betrayed his base by making taxpayers pay for it, not Mexico. Right. Part of the promise was I'm going to build the wall and Mexico's Mexico going to pay for it. Right. That was, they were one and the same. Right. As we remember from those rallies in 2016.
2: Right. And Mexico so. kind of said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs>
1: No gracias, right. on, on that. Yeah. So even politically, right. I mean, the idea that this, this is absolutely essential for Donald Trump's
2: Well, and, future, and this idea this that insane. yeah, the the, the the people who are you know sort of making up the the base rallies and so forth are, are kind of they they have their little you know sheets that where they're going to check off. Say like, well, it oh, was yeah. it was good for me on on uh, <laughs> you know taxes, but I don't know about the wall thing, and you know I'm glad he got tough on China. Uh, but it disturbs me a little bit about Syria. You know, I, I kind of like Mattis, but I mean, there's no checklist like that. Nobody, I mean, nobody is, is you know, he has engendered. He's he's produced a base of support that really doesn't have a lot to do with people saying like, "By golly, yes, that's a good policy." And I disagree with Mitt Romney on it. No, mm-hmm. they're 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 like this is my guy. Right. He gets me. Yeah. And and he and again, he can just redefine it. So you know? I want to ask you about Syria.
1: Um, you know, it's created a problem for a lot of Democrats because uh, Democrats are opposed to the war in right. Syria. I think we should have gone there in the first place, put right. ground troops in there or advisors right. right in Syria. So Donald Trump pulls them out, and now Democrats are mixed. Uh, right. mm, well, this is what <laughs> we've been suggesting, and he did it. So do, do we have to give Donald Trump credit for doing it? Uh, so, or... Is it maybe the way he did it?
2: Uh, it? It seems to be they they can get around this discomfort that you describe uh, by by saying, "Well, the way he did it is 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 wrong," and they'll be backed up by several Republicans, you know, including Republicans who are very close to the president, like Lindsey Graham. Say that this well, yeah, is, this but Lindsey had yeah, lunch with Donald Trump, right. and now he's changed his he, mind. He's in a good mood now, He's right. in <laughs> a good
1: mood. Yeah, feels better about it. Yeah. Um, Give but, him a burger. You can get well, anything you want. Out of
2: burger and a Diet Coke, you know. <laughs> not, not a vegan one, though, not right? Not a vegan no. burger. <laughs> uh-huh. Not for Lindsey Graham. Mm. No, sir. He's from South Carolina. No,
4: sir. We eat real meat here.
2: Um, no, it, this, you know, because when, let, let's not forget that, you know, much much like, you know, we, we got into the Vietnam War uh, with, with John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson uh, even though a, a disproportionate amount of the uh, ire about it like landed with Nixon same thing here you know yeah. we went we, in uh, uh, you know under the aegis of oh. the Obama administration and and certainly you know th- there is something i feel like Trump has tapped into in in the country where People say, why am I there? You know, I mean, like, I, I joined the military because I believe in service to my country and maybe to get a you know out of wherever I'm from and, and get an education and so forth. And I've been deployed five times, twice in Afghanistan, twice in Iraq, and now I'm in Syria? Like, what, I mean, it, it's tough for me to keep track of why exactly we're in all these different places. Is it because we're a counterweight to Vladimir Putin? Is it because they use chemical weapons? Is it because of this? So it's very simple to just say, we're out, we're done. But when you're in a cabinet meeting and you still have troops on the ground and you say that the place is and it it there's it's worthless being there it's I think he said it's a death, it's nothing, and, death, death and bloody san, sand yeah or death and bloody sand coming from somebody who avoided combat service himself or or even like you know service in the clerk's office you know in in the in the back <laughs> in the back nine if you will um, I mean coming when when you have people out in the in the field I mean that's that's just got to great, even on the biggest supporter of, of the president, to hear that. To, to be like, "Whoa, dude! Like, I'm still getting shot at here."
1: So it seemed that what James Mattis was saying was something along the lines of, "Yes, it would be good to get out of Syria, but we have to consider if we pull out all at once, mm-hmm. we're leaving Bashar, al- Bashar al-Assad in power. Mm-hmm. No help for the resistance." We're leaving Vladimir Putin there as the primary force mm-hmm. supporting Assad, and we're leaving a vacuum where ISIS, which ISIS could re- easily refill, right. so we ought to really think about when and how, how we, we this, withdraw, yeah. right? Rather than saying, right, w- without consulting the generals, we're out right in 30 days.
2: And I'll, also, now I mean, he's
1: made it. Four right. months.
2: And again, you know, this isn't like the military strategy hour. I, I understand, but like you know, he, he we have two thousand people there roughly. Um, casualty rate is is not like we like two thousand people were just mowed down, and we threw in another two thousand people. Um, you know, I'm I'm guessing there are probably more accidents. You know that that have claimed lives. You know than than in a combat situation. And among if, our if, troops. Among our yes. troops. I mean, and and so to to be to leave all these open questions, to, to disregard, you know, you mentioned the resistance. I mean, like prim- the primary, you know, like goal of our troops there is to make sure that the Kurds, you know, who have been basically running the resistance, you know, like the, the, the main mm-hmm. parts of the resistance and, and beating up on ISIS on our behalf, uh, have have air support. They have tactical and strategic support, and and that they're not left out, you know, to twist in the wind. Because it's not just Syria that hates them; it's also the Turks. Yes. Uh, and and so th- to to leave them, you know, on their own after they've basically done the bulk of the fighting on our behalf, on the behalf of the Western world, if you will, is um, bad form.
1: Right. Uh, the other foreign pol- One of the other foreign policy. Uh, Priorities, if you will, for the Trump, for Donald Trump, and for the administration, has been North Korea. Didn't get a lot of attention this week, but the head of North Korea, uh, Donald Trump, says there's, North Korea is no longer a problem. They agreed in Singapore they're, in love. they're going to get rid of all of their nuclear weapons, <laughs> and it's going to be all peace and love. And Kim Jong Un this week said, "We're not getting rid of any nuclear weapons as long as you have sanctions against us." Basically, nothing has changed. Right. So all this talk about you know, this new rapprochement with North Korea is right. meaningless.
2: And Yeah, it's been a right. while since, uh, you know, Mike Pompeo's been over to, to visit with Kim Jong-un. Um, doesn't seem to be a ton of, of progress, you know, as, as you said. Um, they and, haven't tested a missile.
1: <clears throat> right. But they're still building them. Right. And they haven't destroyed any of the ones that they've got. Right. So...
2: So what did they get? They got a meeting on the world stage with the, you know, the leader of the free world, and, and Kim
1: Jong Un was right, elevated from right. this nutcase in North Korea right. to someone who right. has enough standing that he can
2: actually negotiate with the, his South Korean counterpart. On, I mean, in, in right. that, you know, in, in terms of like At, smart politics, you know, is 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 that was that the end game all along? Is it is it not about like getting rid of nuclear weapons and so forth for the North? Is it about? you know getting a legitimacy enough that they're able to talk about eventual reunification or you know or some sort of rapprochement between the north and the south and and not not even about the united states because well, those talks terms seem to be heading
1: you know right along it seems to me in terms of who won that contest hands down it's kim jong un who again emerged with legitimacy credibility mm-hmm. stature which is something they have always wanted
2: right They've got their own. own They've even got their own Olympic team, you know, earlier this year, <laughs> you know, or, or at least they got to be in the Olympics. And but. let
1: me tell you, before the end of this year, we could see him at the White House or at Mar a Lago. Trump is already talking about the second summit. Second summit, because Mar- the first one was so successful.
2: <laughs> and Mar a Lago is just just ready for one of those things, right? You mean? Oh yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> Roll out the big, beautiful chocolate cake. <laughs> And you know what? Ivanka could be down there and make some business deals while they're... By the yeah. Or, what was yeah, the last time can... you
2: heard Ivanka and Jared mentioned in, in, in all this fun? You know, right? Well,
1: wait till Robert Mueller's next uh, indictments. <laughs> yeah, we'll hear <laughs> a lot about them. <laughs> we'll hear a lot about them. Jason Dick stays with us here as a, a friend of Bill uh, and joined next by Jordan Carney, who's been taking a look at, from the Hill, taking a look at the Hill And what can we expect now with Democrats in control of the House and Republicans in control of the Senate? Quick break. We'll be right back here on this uh, Thursday edition, January 3rd, of The Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. On a Thursday, January 3rd. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome back here to The uh, Bill Press Show, wrapping up on this Thursday edition. Historic day in Washington, D.C., as Nancy Pelosi uh, takes back the gavel as the next speaker of the House of Representatives. And we're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, the one and only Leo Gerard. The United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million uh, active and retired members. We salute them, thank them for their support of the program. Jason Dick here from Roll CQ Roll Call. As a friend of Bill for the entire hour, Jason, always good to have you here. And uh, we are joined uh, now by Jordan Carney from The Hill, who covers The Hill for The Hill. Lots of hills.
6: (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Hey,
1: great to see you. Um, You know, I don't know why, but uh, just during the break, I was taking a look at Huffington Post here. We all can't be all serious business here. (laughs) For some reason, they have this article up about (laughs) unusual wedding vows. These are people who've officiated at weddings that told about the most unusual things they've heard. Like this one rabbi says, I asked the groom, do you take Nancy to be your wife and do you promise to love, honor, and cherish her throughout life? He paused for a moment and the groom said, can I get back to you? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think at that moment if you were the bride-to-be, you would just walk out of the synagogue?
4: That's not okay. You can't do that. You get sort of a little too late. Mm-mm.
2: It's uh, kind of like how the American public feels about the 2016 election. Right. Oh,
4: is that how it works?
2: Can I get back to you on this? All right. Now, there was a certain animal
1: mentioned earlier in the program, so I will just uh, remind you of that. And, and how about this one? Be. The another a person who was a marine merchant marine officer who was conducting the ceremony said, uh, "These couples read their." He suggested that couples write and read their own vows, and one man came up with this quote, or a woman came up with this quote: "I promise to always love you, even if you grow old and begin to look like an iguana. I will still (laughs) love (laughs) you."
2: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> Boy, that's true love.
2: Add it to the iguana file, Peter. Yes, yes,
4: yes. All iguana content all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Boy, and now i got to tell you, those ugly marine iguanas that we saw in the Galapagos, man, they are ugly as sin. <laughs> yeah,
4: so face only a mother could love. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So here we go. So Hannah, big time today. Nancy Pelosi sworn in. Uh, first person since Sam Rayburn to get the ma- the gavel back after giving it up as speaker once, which is you got to admit, you know, I mean, Nancy Pelosi is one tough cookie and one historic figure no. in American politics.
6: Yeah. No, I uh, I was thinking about this morning that I was not. Aware, I guess when Nancy Pelosi was speaker last time I was in high school slash college.
1: Oh, shut up! I know.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Rub it in, Oh, <laughs> man. And so I'm sort of like reveling in the historicness of, of this of this vote that's coming later today, because um, it's I mean it's not new to me, but it's n- sort of new to me.
1: Yeah, I mean people write her off right as this wacky San Francisco liberal, and they really do not do justice to her or to yeah. the rea- to reality and to right. history.
2: The the her uh, her daughter Alexandra, who's a, f- a filmmaker, had this great like oh. you know moment on <laughs> CNN. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, do we have it? <laughs> no. No, so, but no, I didn't no, pull it, but I, I didn't pull it, I it, uh, so, it earlier. But where where she said, you know, she'll cut your head off, and you won't even know you're missing. You know, <laughs> missing it. You know, I mean, it, with, with the, there will be no pain involved, but you'll be dead. You know, yeah. and, and it and it's truly like she knows how to count votes. She knows when to charm. She knows when to hold firm. And, um, you know, there was, we've, you know, Jordan and I have been sort of watching this sort of take place, all these, you know, kind of rebels in the in the Democratic House caucus yeah. saying that they were going to, you know, block her a path to the yeah. the speakership. And there were, I think there were about five minutes where it seemed like it wasn't inevitable, yeah. you know, and, but, you know, they, they never even came up with their own candidate.
6: Yeah, I remember saying, I like, think when Fudge made the demo, it was like, okay, hey, this is, if this was ever a thing, this is now over. Right. Because right. she, I mean, she won them over. She's very good at making deals and sort of knowing what people need to get their vote. She's a great vote counter. Right. And so, here we are. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, as, and Nancy Vosia lost the gavel in 2011. As I said several times this morning, she didn't walk away, right? Uh, she, she held her course, and she just kept steadily building, building, building. And, uh, and she's got it back, her single-handedly, just about right, recruited the candidates, raised the money more than anybody ever did, and then proved her savvy by picking up forty seats this year. And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought uh, at several moments it was reported that, uh, like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who has said, "I'm not going to vote for Nancy." There were others who called her and said, "You know, I'm running, but I just need, I, I have, to, I want you to know, I have to say, I'm not going to support you for right. a Speaker." And Nancy said just go win right that does not make a big just go win that's the most important thing right if us another democratic seat you know showed you know a lot of leadership and right. moxie and
2: and and also the, i mean the republicans you know from trump on down made her an issue in this midterm election yeah how did that work uh, it did not make any difference in the house uh, mm-hmm. in contests contest for the house and um you know the the it, it's hard to imagine you know, like what uh, an alternative scenario now, which I think is sort of a, a, a kind of a, a tribute to her and her power, is that she she has lined up her own power structure and at the same time she's kind of grooming what could conceivably be the successors, you know, people right. like Ben Ray Luhan who, who ran the and campaign. Hakeem Jeffries. And, and Hakeem Jeffries, and these people there, and you see them on television more, and they're filling up the ranks. So the people who have been criticizing her the hardest have no positions of power necessarily. And the people who realized, you know what, maybe I should get out of the way of a speeding train and and get on it, they're in positions of leadership. And they're aware that a 78-year-old woman mm-hmm. is not going to live forever. Right. So Or be right.
1: in, in that position forever. Right. Um, and, and we all know the story of back in just another tribute to Nancy Pelosi, back in the days of Barack Obama, the early days of Barack Obama, when they had, had introduced the Affordable Care Act, which became known as Obamacare, and it was really facing rough sledding in the House. And uh, this is when you were in probably grade, grade school, uh, Jordan. Uh, and Rahm Emanuel, uh, the then chief of staff, said, oh, let's just drop this puppy, right, this, this hot potato, and almost convinced Barack Obama to just drop the whole thing. And Nancy Pelosi's speaker said, over my dead body, right. yeah. this is a good bill. This is the right thing. This, we need this, and we're going to get it passed, and you're not going to drop it. Right. And she held her own, and Obama went along with her, and we've got the Affordable Care Act. Right. Wouldn't be w- w- there without her. But it's not going to be smooth sledding. Jordan, you have uh, outlined some of the five battles, yeah. major battles that yeah. you see looming uh, between Republicans and Democrats or among Democrats.
6: I mean, between Republicans and Democrats, between Trump and Republicans, between Trump and basically lots of fighting between everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Plenty to go around. Winter
2: is coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there
1: you go. Uh, tell us about a couple.
6: Yeah, so uh, there's the first one, which we are, I think we're all aware of because it's currently happening, known as the partial government shutdown uh, and how in the world we get out of this and when we get out of this. Um, second one, which is more of a maybe a Republican-Trump fight and a little bit of a Senate-Democrat-Trump fight are nominations. Um, The Senate's going to be eating up a lot of time during sort of this first entry to the 116th Congress trying to confirm Trump's nominees. And you've got some concerns uh, from Republicans about who replaces Jim Mattis over at the Pentagon. Uh, There's Trump's trade deal, which... Mm -hmm. uh, Mm Yeah. 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 (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: the mexican trade the new yeah
6: it's nafta 2.0 that's what we want to call it um right. you've got concerns from republicans you've got concerns from democrats who knows if that thing can actually pass congress uh you have got to raise the debt ceiling uh probably like midsummer is when it will um come to a head and that's always sort of been an issue with republicans in the house uh, it will be interesting to see how democrats change that they're going to bring back mm-hmm. the gephardt <laughs> rule over in the House. Um, and then, I don't even remember what my fifth one was. Uh, you have a story. Okay, uh, I've got the story here.
1: Yeah. I'll give, you, give it to you. But let, let's go back uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the government shutdown. Jason and I were talking about that yeah. uh, a, a little bit uh, earlier. Um, and the thing that strikes me about it is Mitch McConnell's position in this. Uh, Peter, we got that quote with yesterday. McConnell was talking about uh, basically... We're not going to do anything unless we know that the president will sign it. We're not going to, as he says, waste our time. The Senate will not waste its time considering a Democratic bill which cannot pass this chamber and which the president will not sign. I really find that asto- astounding. Basically he's saying I'm no longer the head of the Senate, right? I ab- totally abdicate my my position of power uh, to the president of the United States.
2: Well, uh, I've read that in a couple of different ways with okay. McConnell, and 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 this is, it, I mean, Jordan is is aware of this too. That you, sometimes you you know we we uh, we get into real Kremlinology with McConnell, you know, because he is, but he he is so careful in what he says. Uh, he really doesn't say anything that that he doesn't have some intended effect for. Has, has been my mm-hmm. you know my sort of observation of him and. And observation of people who are much more, you know, talented and, and been doing this longer than, than I have too, and I looked at that as masterful in the way that he could basically blame this on the Democrats, but it's also a uh, sort of a warning shot to the to the White House, which is that you embarrassed us the last time because I made my members vote on something that you said you would support. We did it unanimously. And we sent it over to you and you screwed us mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen again. And so when they start taking these pictures of garbage overflowing on the mall and poop, you know, overflowing at Yosemite and so forth, like that's on you. It is not on me. So when you say you can get this done, yeah. then yeah. then we'll do that. And so but but McConnell being McConnell, he also threw in the, the, Demo- the Democrats, yeah. right? That, that like so. They're not. So, so it's, you know, it, it's less I, I see it less as an abdication of like I'm not going to do this. Uh, and it, it's actually him being in control of of what's going on,
1: and pointing it at at Trump,
2: right? And another thing that you know, the, the small sort of you know not insignificant thing yesterday too was right after he you know went on the floor and said you know, said this, you know, we're not going to take this up and, you know, gave the country a little civics lesson about how the Senate works and so forth. He says, oh, and also I'm pleased to announce that we're going to- uh, 65
6: it, nominations. Yeah, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're,
2: I've agreed with the Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, that we're going to, you know, like do this on block yep. uh, series of nominees. And granted, they, these weren't um, the judicial appointments that are his bread and butter, and that the conservative base loves, but this like filled the diplomatic core. You know, we'll finally have an ambassador to Australia. Mm, <laughs> we knew that yeah. that would be tough to fill uh, at, right. at, at this point? Um, and yep. and 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 that so that wasn't insignificant. So when things when when McConnell wants to move things, they move uh, in the Senate, and when he. Uh, when he does not want them to move, they they don't. And I think that that's what was a little bit what was going on yesterday.
1: But Jordan, also, uh, I'm not totally ceding your point. I mean, in a sense, you don't know what Donald Trump's going to sign and what he's not going to sign, right? I mean, how can you believe him? He makes all these, Yeah, right? I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to pull out of Syria. Then he says, no, we're going to overnight. Then he says, no, we're going to wait four months. And And there have been cases where he said, He would sign something, and then he changed his mind and said he wouldn't sign it, and and just vice versa. I mean, Republicans send it to his desk and challenge him.
6: Yeah, Republicans did that seven-week bill because they thought he was going to sign it. They had gotten the impression from the White House that you know they were good. They left town. McConnell had to bring them back for you know the shutdown. Um, But actually, I mean, I kind of agree with Jason. I think Republicans feel like they did their job. They passed a stopgap bill. They thought the White House was going to sign it, and then the White House. I mean, caught them completely by surprise, and back well, down from that.
1: Okay, will there ever get, will will things ever get to the point where enough Republican senators go to McConnell and say, "You've you, you know you've we've been out on the limb too long for this thing. You know you've got to allow this vote so we can show that the entire Congress is ready to move forward and screw Donald Trump."
6: I just. And Jason, you might have a different opinion than this. I just don't know if there are enough Republicans right now that would be willing to vote for a bill that they knew Trump wouldn't sign. Like if Trump is not going to give them specifics and they want, like they've been saying for weeks, you need to tell us what you want, specifically what you want. I just don't know if there are enough within that caucus. I mean, there are some, obviously. Susan Collins, Cory Gardner's in a tough election, Lisa Murkowski. Um, I just don't know if there are enough to get where you need to get to 60.
2: Right. And I, and I think that one of the complicating factors is just who's going to be sworn in, you know, today uh, and that the yes, there were 40 there's a 40 seat gain for Democrats in the House and the, the 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 Democrats are in the House are younger, more diverse and more liberal uh, in the Senate, though. I mean, the, you know, Republicans picked up two seats and the you, most of those Republican pickups, you know, came in places that Donald Trump campaigned hard, Missouri, North Dakota, Indiana, Florida, Tennessee. Uh we well, didn't he didn't so much to campaign super hard, but Marsha Blackburn That's who's right. taking Bob Corker's place mm-hmm. in, in Tennessee mm-hmm. is a is a big supporter of the president. So you could make it it, it it is this strange dynamic where the Senate even after a democratic wave in the House, the Senate is arguably more conservative even with the Romneys uh, you know sort of coming in. And um, didn't mean to pluralize him. Even with Mitt Romney <laughs> coming yeah, in, yeah. he's just one man. <laughs> um, but but, yeah, but his the, niece, right, is. right, right, is the RNC chairwoman. So so it it could I I don't see a point where um, there there is some caucus meeting where they say I just can't deal with this anymore. I mean certainly Lamar Alexander, Pat Roberts, you know, the, the, to mention some. People who are a little are not the the top line moderates like yeah, yeah. Collins or, or Gardner could say like, can we can we get to legislating? I mean, because we we've, there are or there are some things we want to do, um, but where that boiling point is, I mean, I don't think I think we're ways away from. Well, it. in fact, Lamar
1: yeah. Alexander has been floating a mm-hmm. couple of ideas, right?
6: Yeah, Lamar Alexander did uh, the Washington Post op-ed I guess yesterday, basically outlining three ideas. The first idea, uh, which I think he said was like, go small was doing the Senate's 1.6 billion that they included in their mm-hmm. DHS bill mm-hmm. and then adding in maybe an extra billion for border security. Uh, that has been what you know along the lines of what the White House has offered, that's been along the lines of what Richard Shelby was trying to get to. But Donald Trump yes. himself dumped right. on that yeah. yesterday. And again, that's part of the fear of Republicans is that if they do something, Trump is going to, you know, kind of shoo them away again saying no. <laughs> how um his second uh idea was you do the bill that trump threatened to veto uh last year which was 25 billion over 10 years in exchange mm-hmm. for a daca fix trump has said he won't do that uh his third idea was you go really big and you bring back the 2013 immigration bill which had something like 40 billion 46 billion for border security uh
2: 68 senators voted for it. Yeah. <laughs> Never came up in the House. Never came up, Never in, came the up house, in the House. Never came up in the House.
6: And would this administration actually go for something like that? Eh, probably not. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: It, it is interesting when you think back at the opportunities missed right? to resolve the immigration crisis, if you will, right? right? Uh, particularly when Paul Ryan, it, 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 we had all the... What was the Gang of Eight, the Gang of Fourteen? I don't know. Right. There were several. So many gangs, <laughs> <laughs> right? Gangs of Washington. You had like Little yeah.
6: Switzerland, which met mm. in uh, Susan Collins's offices right. last year, and that's what they called themselves. Um, right. Yeah.
1: And that strong bill that passed the the, the Senate
2: convincingly, right. as you right. point yeah. out, yeah. like a, v- a veto-proof margin. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, a a, a, tr- a treaty-proof margin. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was really something else, and to see it never come up in the House uh, was was kind of amazing uh that that but you know they were adhering to this idea that you know you have to have a majority of the majority and they and they didn't have enough republican you know buy-in in the house to get it on the floor
1: one thing that um that didn't get uh, this just sort of disappeared as soon as he said it yesterday from what i saw is that lindsey graham proposed oh here's the answer Let's trade the dreamers yeah. for the wall, right?
2: right. Which is what I, Lamar is is doing I mean, too. Yeah. Lindsay's you know,
6: proposal is even less than what Lamar is saying because Lindsey is like, "Let's do the Bridge Act and like five point four billion for the wall." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, not even twenty five billion. Right. Like well, maybe Trump will accept five point four for dreamers, and that's not going to happen right. either. So
1: Well, it's kind of late to throw the dreamers into the mix. It right. seems like mm-hmm. they're
6: just really looking for a way out, and like, right. let's throw something at the wall, see if it sticks. If it doesn't stick, we'll throw something else at the wall, see if it sticks. Until we get where the president's going to get,
2: and and you never know. I mean, one of the things that is sort of admirable about that is like, all right, so small ball's not working. Yeah. Um, you know, mm. th- I mean, we we say one point three or one point six or two point five. Poor Mike Pence. Uh, you know, 5 yeah. billion, 5.6 billion and nothing. And you know, the you hear particularly um, in um, conservative, you know, like. Circles that Democrats used to support twenty five billion. Well, yes, in it's concert short, with yeah. right. you know a legal status for um, for for the Dreamers and and path to citizenship, and and they were they were ready and they backed away. So what? Why not just go you know shoot the moon? I mean, like if you you say you're a big deal maker, Mr. Trump, like let's you know let let let's make a big deal.
1: So know? I'm going to ask you both as we look ahead for the next two years. I mean everybody's going to be focused on twenty twenty, right? We already are. Um, what does, so, looking at 2020 and the idea that I think maybe both sides would like to have some things they can point to in 2020, saying this proves we can get things done or we can get some things done. Um, do you see that this next two years is going to be all-out war? Or will there be an effort to work together on some things like the
2: Infrastructure week. Infrastructure <laughs> week. <are> we
1: <laughs> <for two> years? <laughs> infrastructure <laughs> week. Or prescription drugs, or maybe even immigration, or maybe not, or or fixing Obamacare, or getting some things done, or is it just going to be all out war?
6: I mean, I feel like Schumer and McConnell have the ability to work together when they want to pretty well. I think the X factor is. How much are House Democrats going to let them do that? How much are you know Schumer going to start bending to his 2020 caucus? Is basically what it is when you think of how many senators are looking at running at the White House and uh, the ever their curveball, which is will Trump let them make deals, or is he you know looking to fire up his base, which he likes to do? going into his re-election bid. And,
1: and to a certain extent, Jason, Donald Trump is more unfettered even than he was in the first two years because all these people who might have exercised some control are gone, right?
2: They, they are. And I, 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 I mean, don't
1: know if... Uh, he's, he's more than an unguided missile yeah. <laughs> more than ever before.
2: Right? So the, I, I don't know if either of you had the chance to... to Check out Mark Leibovich's, uh profile of Harry Reid in the New York Times magazine. We haven't mentioned um, it yet today, but so, I'm
1: glad you did, yeah.
2: So th- this is, uh, you know, here, here come the puns, <laughs> an essential read on Reid. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and I think that, and, and Leibovich also, I mean, in addition to just being a, a great reporter and a skilled writer, I mean, he gets Harry Reid, I, I think, in a way that a lot yeah. of people don't yeah. understand. Yeah. And and so there are these great turns of phrase like, you know, reads a. a aggressive anti-charisma and you know, all these things that if you've spent a, more than a few minutes with Harry Reid, you've been exposed to. But one of the things that struck me the most about this piece is that Reid, you know, is is certainly keeping track of what's going on. And one of the things that he, Lebovich you know, says, and again, there's a lot of, there might be some projecting there, but he says that Reid seems to almost, you know, kind of understand in a way that a lot of people don't that, Trump has plunged Washington into this. I think he calls it a feral state uh, of of politics that he always knew was there. Mm. You know, I mean, Harry Reid re- rarely put any kind of rose colored lens on anything. He was very much a hardened uh, pessimist and and sort of proud of it, as 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 Leibovitch points out in the, in this. Story and and the, there is this I mean he, and he calls him basically an amoral person which is different right. than being immoral I mean there there is an amorality and there and Leverage says that there's almost this weird grudging respect that Reed has for what for basically that Trump has turned turned the tables over on Washington and said like this is what it was like all along so that's my long way of saying I predict all-out war for the next two years
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Harry Reid dism- dismissing Donald Trump as a spoiled brat. A con man and a human leech, <laughs> uh, and I think somewhere along the line said he's the worst president ever. In
6: I sometimes miss Harry Reid because his like daily floor speeches were such like good quotable, like especially when the Republicans are running in twenty sixteen. It was great. It was like, what is Harry Reid going to say today on the floor about <laughs> okay. these guys?
1: Um, so there you go. Um, you heard it here first. For the next two years, it's going to be all-out war. Happy New
2: Year, everybody! <laughs> Happy New
1: Year! <laughs> May and God just... bless us all. And this, <laughs> and this is only January third. 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 Oh, no. New oh. Congress hasn't even been sworn in. That's three more hours. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jordan, thanks so much for coming in you can follow Jordan and all of our good friends at, the Hill at thehill.com and you can follow Jason at cqrollcall.com, see you tomorrow